Flip to Freedom, episode number 31. Hey there, how's it going? This is Sean again, and we are on episode number 31. Now, if you're brand new listening for the very first time, I am here to help you escape the 9 to 5 and live the lifestyle of your dreams by learning how you can make an absolute fortune flipping properties in your spare time, even if you're brand new, you have no cash, you have no credit, and you've never bought a property before. Now, you know, people ask me, what the heck is flipping properties and, and how, does, how, how does that work? Well, it's easy. All you do is market for motivated sellers, right? And a motivated seller could be someone who uh, has been through a divorce. They've inherited a property. It could be a probate. Uh, could be an, uh, a landlord that has a property that's out of state. I mean, believe me, in this market, there are tons of motivated sellers. So you market for a motivated seller, right? And you get a property under contract. That means you sign a contract with that seller. Let's say theoretically, the property is worth 100000 We get under contract for 50000 right? And then we turn around and market to cash buyers. Now we're going to talk to a a cash buyer. Now, a cash buyer comes in. They're typically used to buying um, properties at the courthouse steps. They're buying bank-owned properties. So they can walk in, and they're either looking for a rental or they're a house that they can buy, or they're looking for a property that they can fix and flip. So what's going to happen is, is that they're going to look at the property, and they're going to say, okay, I'm in. They're going to give you a non-refundable deposit, and then they're going to sign another contract with you for a higher price. Now, let's say in our example here, we have a a contract with the seller for uh, $50,000. Then you have a contract with a buyer for $60,000. Well, guess what? There's a $10,000 spread there. Well, we take those two contracts and we bring them to your closing agent, your escrow officer, uh, you know, attorney, whatever state you're in, whatever area, whatever you have for a closing agent. And then you instruct them to do what's called a double escrow or a simultaneous close. Now, what they will do um, is they will have the actual buyer wire in the funds, of which they're going to wire in sixty thousand. Ten thousand is going to go to you, and fifty thousand is going to go to the seller. And it takes no money out of your pocket, no cash. They're never going to pull your credit. Um, you don't have to have any experience. All you got to do is have uh, understand how to how to market for motivated sellers and how to market for cash buyers. But you put those two together, and you can do it as many times as you want in a month. If you want to do it ten times in the month, you can make a hundred grand a month. If you want to do it three times in the month, four times in the month, whatever it is, the more marketing you do, the more deals that you'll get. And there's basically the average is for every twenty five leads you get, you'll get. Get one deal. Now, if you do one deal, you're doing good. I mean, think about it. Our average deal is about ten thousand dollars. You know, the the national average is about five thousand dollars per deal. So think about it. If you do one deal, I mean, that's sixty thousand dollars a year that you can make by just doing one deal a month. You're doing good. If you do two deals a month, man, you're living large. If you're doing three or four or five deals a month, then guess what? You have flipped your way to freedom. And that's why I put this podcast together. I put the website together. And uh, because I was in the same situation, I was in a, a, a terrible job I hated. Um, I hated what I was doing. I, I didn't like, you know, waking up. I hated Mondays. And, and, and think about it. Think about all your friends, family, relatives, coworkers, everybody you know. They're all, you know, griping about work. And they're probably right now probably, you know, uh, happy that they have a job, but really not. 
You know, wake up early, go in rush hour traffic, go get to the office, deal with a mundane job and the pressures of work and the pressures of the boss, you know, and then, you know, you get a a quick half hour, hour lunch break, if that, go back to work and just sitting there looking at the clock, man, I wish the day would go by. Then get back in the car, rush out of traffic, back home, just have a couple hours with the family, uh, and then it's all, all over again. Then when the weekend hits, holy cow, man, we got to do all the stuff around the house, got the honey-to-do list, man, it starts, starts getting busy. I know. Well, I put this podcast together, and I put my website together, and the whole all this, this great information to basically show you how to flip your way out of that. And flipping properties is just like I talked about. And uh, allowing you the ability to get one year's of income in the bank, one year. You make $50,000 a year, get $50,000 of cash in the bank and do it as fast as possible by flipping properties in your spare time around what you do. And then you will have the option to quit your job. You don't have to. You can get two years worth of income. It doesn't matter. But you can start where you are today and then you can start building uh, a business and learning the business uh, through listening to this podcast and uh, actually reading um, a book I wrote. I wrote a 129-page uh, comprehensive blueprint on exactly how to quit your job in 19 weeks or less, um, and it's a detailed step-by-step guide. I've hold nothing back. I've had people tell me that they spent over $1,000 on uh, material and courses from other people that uh, it's not even one-tenth of the information that. So if you want to get that, you can get that for free at Flip the number two freedom.com flip to freedom.com you'll see a little video of me on the front page um, and you'll see a place where you can enter your email uh, just uh, put your email in there and I'll email you a link to where you can download this report for free now in this episode we are going to talk about um, what happens if you get a house under contract and you can't sell it what happens then Uh, Does the world all come to the end? No. Well, there are things you can do to potentially save the deal and also get out of the contract. That's why we have contract clauses in there. And in my book, I give a bunch of contract clauses. Uh, we'll talk about a couple contract clauses in here that uh, that work best. But um, what's going to happen is that you can get um, out of the deal. Now, I can tell you this. You know, and we back up and we start marketing for motivated sellers and doing all that stuff. Um, I'm going to give you in this episode two specific steps that you can do to save the deal. Um, in episodes uh, number 22 through 26, I go through and I tell you the entire process from start to finish, from marketing for motivated sellers all the way to selling your property. In 26, I talk specifically about selling your property. In episode number 10, I tell you specifically about selling your property. So if you want to listen to that, that'll give you an entire idea of the uh, the entire process of, uh, of how to do that. So um, now I'm also going to talk you how to back out of a deal with, uh, when, with no risk. Um, and also, too, we're going to talk about, uh, at the end of the episode, how you can get confidence or how you can like um how could you down imagine if you could just plug in and download some confidence imagine you could just plug in and say okay i'm, I'm going on this appointment i'm talking to a cash buyer whatever so I, I need some confidence going in or just confidence in life of of uh, what you do and and uh, I, I mean i know i struggled for that for a while when i was younger and and i can tell you there are definitely things you can do 
and I'm going to give you specific steps that you can increase your confidence um, uh, to, uh, you know, to give you better performance, you know, in all aspects of life. All right. Now, let's get into uh, this. I'm going to tell you a story real quick. First off, because, you know, um, part of real estate and part of this business, flipping properties, um, you will run in. Uh, to deals that you can't sell. It's just going to happen. It's part of business. It's just the way it is. Um, so just expect it. You know, it doesn't happen on every deal, of course. You know, if it did, we wouldn't be here. Um, but it happens on, you know, one out of 10 deals. You're going to get a deal under contract. It's just not going to sell. Well, you know, I got this property under contract here in Phoenix. Um, I thought it was a great deal. Three bed, two bath, right? Um, it was, uh, had a pool in back and needs some, you know, you know, probably 10, 15 grand in repairs for like a fix and flip job. It was, uh, it was an inherited property and I got it under contract for $53,000. We, uh, marketed it for $63,000 for a uh, $10,000 profit. Now I thought the deal was a smoking deal. You know, the property is worth probably in the 120. So me at 63,000, I was, is it the 50, 52% range, man? I, I was thinking this thing would sell off the shelf. Now, it was right on a freeway. I mean, there was like, I mean, literally, there's like a big freeway wall they call the I-17 here in Phoenix, and it was literally sitting right. Um, there's an access road that was, was, was between it, but the, it was pretty close to the freeway. Now, I figured if I priced it in the you know mid the low 50s percent of LTV loan to value um, of what the value ARV actually of uh, what the property was worth, um, then I thought they would be able to sell and be fine. Now, obviously, I'm human. I make mistakes. Things happen, but guess what? It didn't sell. I mean, I put it out to, you know, all of our cash buyers. I, I talked to our VIP buyers. I, that, you know, guys I know that will, are looking for properties right now. And, and they're just like, just can't do it because of the freeway was right there. I didn't know it would have that big of an impact, um, on a price. I've actually had, I got a isolate said, Hey, listen, you know, if 50, if 63 won't work, what will work? And I've got offers down in the 30,000 range, which was ouch. You know, so um, so what's going to happen? It's part of the business. So uh, we eventually, on that deal, had to back out. You know, we went back and renegotiated with the seller, and and uh, just did not want to budge below the fifty-three thousand level, and and uh, we actually had to back out using one of our contract clauses to get out of the deal. So what happens? What happens if you have a deal like that? Is there a way to save it? Well, there is. There is a way to save it, and I can go talk about the first one. Is first, you know, reduce the price of your marketing. If you have a marketed in our example say for 63 you can put it out for 59 take it down like you know four thousand dollars or so and uh, and put it out to the market again but before you put it out to the market call your vip buyers back and say listen i know you want i know you saw this property it came out i'm looking to sell it um i really need to get this thing moved i need to get it moved quick what can you do? Um, I'm dropping the price to 59000 But before I put it out to any everybody and the brother, um, I wanted to give you first shot at it. So $59,000, can you make those numbers work? And you're going to get feedback from these people on uh, what they think they can, you know, can do on the property or, or what their feedback is. When I did that with this particular property, boy, I, like I said, I got the feedback that the freeway was the biggest reason what their, uh, their stumbling walk was on the property. Cause they're like, listen, I can, I can pay $10,000 more for a property around the corner. And, uh, there's no, there's no freeway sit. I don't have to, I don't have to fight with the freeway. So I was like, all right. So, um, 
So you can, before you actually reduce the price and you put out your marketing at a reduced price, you can call back your VIP buyers and, and tell them that, listen, you are reducing the price and you offer it to them first so they have first dibs on it. Um, and, uh, and then after you do that, and if you get none of your VIP buyers, your close-knit buyers that buy, buy properties from you, if you get none of those to bite, then you send the email blast out with the price reduction and, uh, and, and then just do your normal marketing again. Put on your Facebook fan page, Twitter out to everybody you know. Uh, do your email blast. Put it on post lists. Put on Craigslist back page at Kijiji. Put band of bandit signs out and get this sucker sold and try to get the reduced price. And what happens is you might get a, new, a renewed interest. Uh, some people that did not see the email prior might see the email now. Someone that um, might on, on Facebook might share it and, and uh, someone else's news feed through the news feed might see it happens all the time uh, so those are things you can do to potentially uh, get it out so you want to you want to you want to repost it you want to um, get the bandit signs out you want to do everything you can do um, to uh, get more traffic to that property eyeballs on that property at that reduced price and put a reduced tag on it uh, so they know it's reduced and uh, it, it almost gets uh, people you know saying okay listen he just reduced it you know let me jump on it now and, and and if you if you look in the MLS, which is uh, funny, well, it's not really funny, but um, in the MLS, every time a property in the MLS is reduced, it actually sends an email alert out to all the people uh, that are uh, looking for that specific area. Um, and uh, the one technique for selling properties in the MLS, and I'm not really you know, I mean, I, I know that because uh, my wife's a realtor, and one technique we use for some of our fix and flip properties is we reduce the property by 500 bucks, reduce the property by a thousand bucks, and uh, and what happens is it will send an email alert out to everybody and their brother. That's just a side note. Um, so, anyways, back uh, back to what I'm talking about here. Um, so. You've uh, now what happens is when you're putting that out, you're looking to get an offer. You're looking to get something. Okay, what would you pay for? When you're talking to people, you're talking to VIP buyers. You talk to people calling in, and uh, and you have someone that just says they're calling and says, "Hey, what's the access on the property?" You give them the lockbox code. They go look at the property and. They don't call you back. What do you do? Well, you call them back and say, listen, what would you think of the property? And go, well, you know, I just don't like it. It's right next to the freeway. Um, I say, great. So listen, I got this tied up with a motivated seller. It was an inherited property. I might have some room to negotiate with the seller. What would you pay for it? Let me know what you pay for it to make your numbers work, and I'll see if I can, I can um, potentially renegotiate. I'm not saying I can. I'm just saying uh, maybe I can. So what you're doing is you're soliciting them to say, okay, well, let me look at it now and see if I can make the numbers work. And you're going to come back with different offers from people. And the offers might be, um, you know, the offers might be, you know, in our, in our case, they might be, you know, 30,000, which though obviously those numbers might not work. But you're also going to get numbers that will work. And what you do is now you say, okay, great. Now you get an offer, right, from some of the, one of your buyers that says they're going to do it and have them submit a contract to you right? And the contract is going to be subject to you getting marketable title to the property, able to sell the property via, uh, via a double escrow, but making sure that you have marketable title. That's one clause you put in the contract um, on your, on your uh, sell side contract with your buyer is that a uh, contract subject to marketable title. Um, so obviously you have to get marketable title be able before you could actually sell the property and you'll do that via the double escrow. Okay, so now um, 
you know, so you solicit a contract, you get an offer on the property. Let's say in our theoretical example, you know, we uh, my my that particular property, we had it for fifty three thousand, right? Um, so let me say I solicit an offer, offer, and I get an offer that comes in at forty eight thousand dollars. Well, what I can do then is go back and renegotiate with the seller. I can go back and say, listen, you know, I just can't get it done. Obviously, you know, the market's a mess right now when it comes to real estate, you know, between the funding sources and the partners I have and people I know, I just cannot get it done at 53. I'm going to have to cancel the contract unless we can get down to about $40,000, unless we can get down and start low. You know, give yourself about an eight to $10,000 spread there. So think about it. If I get a contract of 48, I just need to get him down. If I can get him down to 40, I just made $8,000 just like that on a phone call. If I get him down to, um, you know, let's say he says, there's no way I'd do 40, but I'm going to do 45. Well, if he does 45, well, guess what? You just locked in $3,000 profit uh, for doing that. So it's just uh, calling up the seller. It's tough to do, but think about it. I mean, you know what? In this market right now, in this market, there are banks that send out appraisers to properties, and appraisers come in ten to fifteen to twenty to sometimes a hundred thousand dollars lower than the actual property is, you know, on the market for what the contracts for. And guess what? They have to renegotiate the deal. It's just part of real estate. It's part happens all the time. So don't feel bad if you have to go back and renegotiate with a seller. Actually, I can tell you. That literally every time, even even if we got the property sold, even if we got the property sold at 53 and we're happy, we will go back and renegotiate with a seller just to try to get some extra room in there for us if we can. Now let's say if we put it out for 53, um, I mean my fault, 63,000 dollars, and and I have some that comes in for 60, then I'll just go back and try to renegotiate the uh, the seller down to possibly 50,000 dollars to open up a little bit of spread there. Now you can do that. You don't have to do that if you want. Now, um, you know, if, if someone inherited a property or something like that, you know, I, I would. It just depends on the situation. Do it, you know, you don't do it every time, but um, there is definitely a way to go back and renegotiate with a seller to open up some room. Sometimes they will and sometimes they won't, but um, if you don't ask, you don't get. That's what my father-in-law has always told me. All right. So now, renegotiate with a seller. Um, now you have an offer with the buyer and with with the buyer now, so all you have to do is renegotiate at a lower number lower than that, and uh, you can make a spread now um, now, even if you get properties under contract that you think might not work now why would you do that? Well, I can tell you um, sometimes you know I mean we have our formula, and the formula is basically you take ARV after repair value times 70%, which is uh, 0.70, um, equals, uh, you know, in, in this case, you have a $100,000 property times 70% is $70,000. Then you minus repairs, let's say the repairs are $10,000, so that'd be $60,000. And that's what you could sell your price for in this market. ARV times 70% minus repairs equals your sell price. So if you have to negotiate to get anything below that would be your buy price. So if you lock it up for 55,000, well you get a 5,000 potential profit. If you lock it up for 50,000, you get a $10,000 profit. I always build in at least especially in this market, um, you know, Phoenix is a little bit different. If you're in San Francisco or you're in, you know, California or if you're in, you know, New York or places where the price, home values are a lot higher, 
Well, the numbers will be a lot different, of course. But within Phoenix, when the um, average home price is like $123,000, well, $10,000, you're literally anywhere from 8 to 10% of uh, what that property is worth that we build in for a profit margin. Uh, so that's how we figure out the, the formula to sell the property. Now, when you... Um, when you have this, you know, type of formula, sometimes, like I said, it'll work, and then sometimes it won't work. But what if the what if the seller, right? What if the seller uh, comes back and says, you know, I said, listen, that formula for for you know sixty thousand dollars or fifty thousand dollars, that's not going to work. Well, what you can do is is say, listen, you know what? The numbers not doesn't work for me. I'm not comfortable. Um, committing to a purchase contract, um, anything higher than our $50,000 number that we just talked about. But I have some friends that are landlords, and they are looking for properties um, that they could buy to put tenants in. And they don't do the extensive fix-up like we would do or some of my partners and I would do, um, but they do a uh, uh, you know not as much fix up they do more of the lipstick stuff and they and they want to rent it out but it will allow them to pay a higher price what we can do is is that we can do a one page option agreement and this option agreement will allow me to market the property uh, to my friends, right? Friends, people, people I know, they're landlords, they're looking for properties. And if they like it, then guess what? They'll be able to buy it cash. They'll buy it with no, you know, no inspection period. They don't have to deal with appraisals or banks or anything like that. So, um, would you uh, consider doing that? And when you're talking to the seller, there's a good chance that they will say, yeah, sure. Well, how long will it take? And I said, well, it'll take about 15 days. It's going to be a 15-day option. It'll be uh, non-exclusive. Um, I won't tie you up at all, but uh, give me 15 days to talk to these guys and, you know, and show, them, show a couple of my friends and see if we can, uh, see if we can get sold for you. And, uh, and, you know, I'll just, you know, take your price and let's say your price is 60,000. That's as low as they'll go. You know, I'll just tack on a couple thousand dollars for my marketing, you know, marketing cost and whatever it is and, uh, and see if I can get it sold from there. Now, they're most of the time they're going to say, okay, sure. Why not? You know, you know, if you can turn around and get it sold, great. Um, and marketing it and they won't have to pay their commission. They'll get their 60,000 and they're literally out of nothing just by, you know, just a handful of days of, of you going out and marking the property. That's a, it's a great way to uh, be able to get the property under contract. Now don't use that as a scapegoat. Okay. Don't use this scapegoat. I know I'm uh, talking to uh, one of our, um, other members that's in the flip to freedom Academy and every single deal he's getting under contract is an option contract because it's, it's a, uh, it's a non committal because me, I, I press to negotiate the best price I possibly can because I know I can get it sold. I know 60 is a little iffy. I want to know something that's going to work. So I'm pushing for the 50,000 and the last resort, the Columbo close, we call it, is that say, you know, you're walking away and 50,000 doesn't work and you turn around and go, oh, by the way, what if we did this? You know, so I use that very loosely in the fact that it's the last resort to try to potentially save the deal if they're will not willing at all to go uh, to your actual offer price. Now, I went off on that little tangent, but it works and it's a way to uh, get a property under contract, put it out to market. Now, what also happens, what's worked and is and, and, and works great is that you get a property under contract, the motivation level of the seller increases, and then you can renegotiate the option agreement even further down. So let's say they're at 60, 
and our example, and I needed to be at 50, and uh, I get an offer at 55, you know, or I get an offer at 57,000, I can go back to them and say, listen, I just can't get it done here, but listen, I know I can get it done. I can close the thing. You can get cash next week if we can do it at $52,000 or $53,000, whatever it is, and uh, you'll be able to instantly lock in a profit, but then you've built a relationship with that seller, okay? Um, that's just a little side note. Anyways, so when you are in the process of renegotiating with the seller, um, there's another way you can renegotiate with the seller too. Now, you can renegotiate by either reducing the price or having them offer seller financing, Let's say in our example, $53,000, negotiated down, and, and two things we do, negotiate price, try to negotiate as far down as we can, or say, listen, we can possibly get your $53,000 price, but we need to have you do a carry back on it for $50,000. And uh, where you can carry the note. Now, in that example, there was no existing loan. There was just a, um, um, he just owned the property free and clear. So um, in that example, there, you know, we could negotiate and say, hey, listen, you know, keep the note, in, you know, $50,000. You know, we'll create a note and the note will be for three years. You'll get interest payments on that every single month. Um, and then $3,000 we'll put for a down payment. Um, and then you get a little bit of cash now. You don't have to deal with any, uh, you know, any tax issues or anything like that. Um, right now because um, you're sold on an installment sale but what you can do is you get a little bit of cash now and you can get monthly payments every single month would you consider that now they can negotiate off that they might say give me ten thousand give me five thousand give me three thousand the lower the down payment the better because um, it's easier to market and it's easier to sell so those are a couple different ways you can negotiate with the seller to potentially make the deal sellable by either reducing the price or building in seller financing now if they have a loan in place uh, let's say in our example fifty three thousand they had a say a forty thousand dollar loan in place I would negotiate to purchase the property either subject to the existing loan or um, do an agreement for sale of which the loan does not get paid off until uh, the underlying note is uh, completely paid off. I mean, the, the, the property, by fault, the property doesn't transfer until the underlying note gets paid off. So that's what an agreement for sale is. Uh, a subject to is actually when the title transfers. An agreement for sale is when uh, the, the title does not transfer, uh, but until the underlying loan is paid off. We use those uh, all the time. It's a great way to uh, buy properties. Now, in this next section, I want to talk about um, building confidence. Now, first off, um, wh why confidence? You know, why do we want to talk about confidence? Well, first off, you know, there's a lot of people that I've met or know that um, they're just not confident about what they do. They're very unsure, you know, especially, you know, since I've, you know, launched this, uh, you know, the Flip to Freedom Academy and talking to people all across the country, you know, and I understand people are new, you know, into the business and that, that breeds a, of, you know, a, a, a doubt factor there because they're new, new, you know, very new to something. Um, so when you're new to something, you get that, you know, unsure feeling, you know, when you're first starting, but, but also, but when you're dealing with people, 
right? And you're dealing with sellers and you're dealing with buyers and stuff. There is a certain confidence. Now, what would what would show a lack of confidence? Now, there's verbal and then there's, uh, you know, just regular, you know, nonverbal would be your just body language. Now, uh, I remember I just um, I met with a motivated seller last week. And when I met with a guy, the guy would not look me in the eyes. I mean, he would just not. He would just come up. He'd put, he'd put his head down. I'm sitting there going, dude, here, look at me, man. What, you know, what's up? Let's talk. And he would not look me in the eyes for the life. I couldn't get it. Um, you know, so, you know, that's one thing. A nonverbal uh, would be something. Look people in the eyes. Look them directly in the eyes when you're talking to them. That is a is nonverbal. It shows confidence. The other thing, too, is shake hands. Shake hands and shake it tight. You know, I was spent four years in the Marine Corps, man, and one thing, they, you know, if you, if you shook a hand like a wimp, man, you get pounded. Um, so, same thing, this guy, same guy. He wouldn't even look at me, and when I shook his hand, it felt like a limp fish. I was like, come on, dude. You know, he's kind of all hunched over and stuff, and he was just completely, I'm not, I'm not trying to bash the guy at all, because, uh, you know, maybe he just, you know, that wasn't important to him. I don't know. But the bottom line is, is that he, you know, his nonverbal communication was completely non-confident between his handshake, he, saw, he talked all soft and, you know, and all, you know, mealy mouth and I can barely hear him I had to you know, ask him to speak up and and uh, he wouldn't look at me in the eyes um, that right there is just complete nonverbal. I'm not confident now if you walk in and you talk to a cash buyer like that you're gonna have problems if you walk in and you talk to motivated sellers and you you walk in with your head down you don't look the guy in the eye and you, know, you shake his hand you don't shake his hand like all limp you know it's all pasty and cold and you talk under your breath well listen you will not get the contract i don't care you could take a hundred leads on the phone you won't get a contract it's because it's nonverbal communication with a confidence you can walk in and uh and talk and and look him in the eye and shake your hand, shake his hand. So if you don't have that confidence, if you have the doubt, that doubt, how can you get that confidence? What what can you do to be able to, um, you know, to be able to I say download that confidence, right? And uh, and basically, there's a couple of different things. And and I, I found a clip here. And uh, if you ever watched the movie Boiler Room, now uh, if you've listened to my past episodes, you know that I I love. Um, uh, Wall Street, you know, one of my favorite movies. Um, love, uh, you know, and, and Wall Street, there's another movie that went kind of went with it was Boiler Room with Ben Affleck in it. Now, it's a little rough on the language, but it's a it's a uh, it's a good it's a good movie. Um, and it's just fun to watch because, uh, you know, if you like sales and stuff like that, it's uh, it's it's great. You know, but I can tell you a story. When I was in the Marine Corps, when it came to confidence, and uh, there's one big, big uh, lesson that I've learned, and it was really just through, uh, you know, just through what happened. It wasn't really uh, someone teaching me. It's just what happened. But I was uh, in boot camp, and I was at Paris Island, South Carolina, and I was 3rd Battalion. And 3rd Battalion was known to be, like, the the toughest, the meanest, the, I mean, the, the guys that were grueling. And I was uh, in there for, I don't know how many, it was like, I was in like, for like two months or three months, whatever it was, for the, for the training. Um, and it, oh man, it was intense. I mean, there was, there were drill instructors that were throwing people downstairs. I mean, we were, I mean, we'd wake up at four or five o'clock in the you know, morning and we'd be doing push-ups, sweating, guys would be screaming, dropping out. I remember this one huge guy. His name was uh, Roman, 
And uh, Roman, if you're listening, I uh, apologize for telling the story. But um, this guy was huge, and he's from Miami. Big old guy from Miami. I mean, huge, huge guy, right? And he got so scared one time. I don't know if he was scared or just intimidated or whatever. And uh, he just peed his pants right in the middle of the... uh, Right, right in the middle of our, our you know, bunks where all we had it with the quarter deck is what they called it. Um, and we're all standing on line there. <laughs> he just lost it, and the guy was a mess because there were drill instructors were yelling around, screaming, and and uh, but, I, but I remember he just uh, it, it was bad. But the thing is, is that we in that boot camp. I remember we started with like a hundred people and we graduated with forty, um, and they weeded out sixty percent of the people that couldn't hang. Um, or they dropped to uh, you know another platoon because they couldn't hang, or they actually just got completely booted out of the uh, you know out of the military because um, they couldn't hang in uh, in boot camp. So it was pretty intense, you know. And I remember we went out. It was in the morning. We were going for about an eight mile run, and the platoon leader um, was, uh, he's like hurt his knee. I mean, he was, he was, I mean, did something, nothing major, just hurt his knee and he was kind of falling behind. So the, um, the platoon leader, the, uh, drill sergeant grabbed the flag that he was holding and gave it to me and said, here, you, you want it? And asked me if I wanted it. And I said, no, I said, no, because I was unconfident. I didn't take the flag. I didn't take the opportunity to grab that flag and then lead the platoon and then run the show. Now, I don't know what that could have led to. And that when I would say, you know, opportunities are never lost. They just go to somebody else. And I get that from that experience right there. Because I was given the flag, and because I was unconfident, I was unsure of myself, I didn't think I could do it, I didn't think I had the talent, I didn't think I had the, you know, the 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 confidence, I guess, to run the platoon. So I was like, no, I, I basically waved it off. That was my first round, I just waved it off. I was like, oh, I can't, no, I can't do it. So he took the flag, the drill sergeant, and he gave it to somebody else. And someone else led that platoon and someone else went on. He got honors and he did this. And I mean, it was, it was great for him. But uh, for me, it was uh, a learning experience. So what, what I take from that, I took that, you know what? When opportunities come up and you're put to the challenge, even if you are scared to death, even if you're shaking inside, even if you don't think you can do it, even if you don't, you know, you don't believe you have the guts to do it, even if, even if, if everyone tells, tells you you're crazy and you can't do it, step up, take the flag, and go make it happen. Because you will grow into it. I'll tell you another story where the same example came up. I was uh, um, at a training seminar, and I, I, I did public speaking and training all over the entire country for thousands of people on, on actually sales training. And I was at an event in um, Long Beach, California, and there was about a thousand people at the convention center, Long Beach Convention Center. And I was there for this training. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the people doing the training, one of the seminar leaders there, uh, speakers, came up to me and said, hey, listen, we want you to speak. 
Um, and I said, okay. They gave me a mic. They mic'd me up on the back. They pinned me up, right, <laughs> you know, put my mic on. And I went in the bathroom, and I remember shaking, you know. I mean, I'm public speaking is the second closest thing is being afraid of is uh, death is the number one spot. So I was sitting there shaking. My hands were all sweaty. You know, I could, my mouth was all dry. I couldn't catch a breath. My heart was beating out of my chest. And I almost said, you know, I, 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 can't, I just can't do this. What the heck am I going to say? What if I screw up? What if I, you know, what if I, what if I make a fool out of myself? What if I trip over my tongue? What if, what if I, and I said all these different doubt thoughts, just like everybody has, went through my head. And I'm just like, what? happens if I blow it and then I looked in the mirror and two things happened one I thought of the flag you know what I didn't grab the flag I didn't do it and I regretted it and there's I could not get that moment or that experience back ever again and I didn't know what if I would have grabbed that flag what it could have brought me to I missed that opportunity Second thing that came to my head is when in Wall Street, like I told you, I love that movie, Bud Fox looked in the mirror before he went in and met Gordon Gecko, And he said, life comes all down to a few moments. And this is one of them. And I looked at myself and I said, you know what? Life comes all down to a few moments. And this is one of them. And I, and I had a renewed energy, a renewed because I made a decision, a renewed vibrance. And I was just, I looked up and I remember my eyes were glassed over and I said, you know what, I'm going to go rock the house. I'm going to go kick butt. And it changed my attitude before going in and uh, speaking. And I'm telling you, I nailed it. I smoked it, killed it. I could tell, I mean, I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. Standing ovation, it was, it was unbelievable. Um, and from that point on, I was actually hired as a trainer. And I trained all over the entire country. And I made between $2,500 to $5,000 a weekend. And I was flying. I was doing every single week. And it was, it was nuts. And I had a blast doing it. It was fun. But... To get back to the story, to get back to the point, is confidence. You'll be put to the test with challenges. Things will come up, and you're going to have a choice to either grab that flag, to grab the opportunity, or not. And most people tend not to grab the opportunity because they're thinking of, what if I can't make it work? Now, I'm going to share this little clip with you. It's from Ben Affleck in the movie... Um, in the movie Boiler Room, and he's going to give you kind of like the attitude, and it, he's going to talk about selling, closing the deal. It's real about two quick little little segment. Why don't you listen to that right now? There is no such thing as a no-sale call. A sale is made on every call you make. Either you sell the client some stock, or he sells you on a reason he can't. Either way, a sale is made. The only question is, who's going to close? You or him? Now be relentless. That's it. I'm done. Now, don't you like what he says at the end? I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. He just closes it down right there. It's great. Uh, be relentless. Be relentless. Now, when you're, you know, I mean, this is not like a typical sales thing where you're actually, you know, you're selling, but you are talking to motivated sellers and you are negotiating and you are closing deals. Same with buyers. You're either buying or you're selling. 
You're either buying the fact that the price is too high, too, too high, or you're selling the fact that there's a kick in property. It's sales. It's the way it is. Now, if you don't like selling, then you know this is real estate. Real estate. You're 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 buying. You're negotiating to buy properties at the lowest price proper, and you're selling your lowest price possible, and you're turning around and selling to cash buyers to the highest price possible. There are sell points in there. So. Off of my tangent, but how do you become more confident? All right. There's a couple different things, first off, I like about Ben Affleck. And uh, first off, his, his attitude, right? He has, a, he has, a, he has a, a, an attitude of authority. He has an attitude. And anybody can have that attitude. And uh, the other thing is, is he's an actor, Right? I mean, he, he, that's, maybe that's not him in real life, but I'm sure he's a confident guy and he walks smart and he looks people in the eye and he shakes their hand. But he's also an actor. He's acting that part. So, what can we learn from that? Well, here are three steps to how to become more confident. Number one, visualize yourself as if you were confident. Visualize yourself, see yourself in your mind's eye as if you were confident. What if you were confident? How would you act? How would you walk? How would you talk? How would you shake someone's hand? How would you look them in the eye? How would you be if you were confident? And see yourself in how you'd feel, see yourself in how you'd act in your mind's eye as if you were confident. The next thing is talk to yourself. And I always go back to the movie Jerry Maguire. And in that movie... Um, Jerry Maguire and Rod Tidwell were uh, at the NFL drafts. And uh, Rod Tidwell was pacing back and forth, and he was all nervous and stuff. And, you know, he didn't think he was good enough to be at the draft or whatever. And, and, uh, and uh, Jerry Maguire actually takes him um, and meets him in, um, in this little, you know, side store where they sold jerseys and stuff like that. And, and he was there, and he puts his hand on his shoulder, and he's standing behind him. He starts talking to him, talking in his ear. You're the best wide receiver in the NFL. You, have, you catch more. You have more yards. You, have, you can jump higher, and you have, you know, you have you know hands of steel or whatever and he's sitting there he's talking him up and Rod Tizzle's like come on keep going you know keep you know, keep filling me up and see the thing is you don't need someone over your shoulder to tell you how great you are you can do that to yourself it's called self-talk you can tell yourself how great you are you can tell yourself in, instead of saying oh I'm terrible I'm not confident I'm fat I'm ugly my life sucks whatever. you can do the exact opposite and say you know what I'm great. You know what? I'm going to go in and I'm going to talk to the seller and I'm going to be charismatic. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to do a great job. I'm going to make friends with them and I'm going to negotiate the deal and I'm going to get this deal. I'm going to walk out of this house with this deal. I know it. And then meeting with a cash buyer. So you know what? I'm going to talk to this cash buyer on the phone. I'm going to tell him how great the property is and I am going to get this deal and I'm going to sell it right here on the spot. You can do that. Because guess what? That cash buyer doesn't know you from a hole in the wall. That seller doesn't know you. So you can be anybody you want to be walking in. You could be a, who knows? You can be, what, you can be whatever you want to be walking in. And the third part is this. Act as if you were confident. 
right? First off, you're going to visualize as if you're confident, right? And now you're going to act as if you're confident. Be an actor, just like Ben Affleck is in that, uh, that, that movie in Boiler Room. Act as if you're confident. What would you do? How would you act? What would, you, what would your, you know, what would your, uh, how would you walk? How would you talk? How would you present yourself? Act as if you're confident. And if you do those things, it will instill a confidence in you. Not overnight. It's going to take work. But you can take that and you can apply that every day. And guess what? Every, when you have an opportunity to go do something, think about it. Take the flag by the hand. Take it. Take, take that flag and walk with confidence and walk into the experience. And guess what? You don't believe you have the potential to make it happen, but you do. I know you do. We all have the potential to be great if we just give ourselves the opportunity to be so. Just have to give yourself the opportunity. See, you're given the opportunity through information, through reading this information, reading the book and listening to, you know, there's tons of information on real estate investing. There's people making millions of dollars in real estate right now. You are given the flag. You're given the opportunity. Now you can step into it and live to that potential and be and do whatever you want to be in this life. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do it. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do it. Friends, family, relatives, coworkers think you're crazy, whatever. You know what? Do it like me. One thing I've learned in the Marine Corps, you tell, tell me I can't do it and I'm going to do it 10 times over as hard as I can and as fast as I can. And I'm going to do it bigger and badder as, as much as I can. That's the way it is. Tell me I can't do it. I'm going to do it over and over and over again. So, it's just, you know, I don't know if it's personality or inbred in the Marine Corps, whatever it is. But the bottom line is, is that you have potential. You have all the potential in the world to go out and accomplish and the knowledge to go out and accomplish anything you want. And there are some people that are listening to this that are going to take it at far levels than I have ever taken. I mean, believe me, there's people, I mean, when it comes to real estate, are you kidding me? I'm just a, I'm a little, you know, flying the wall, I'm a little speck. I mean, there's people that make, I mean, look at Donald Trump, billions and billions of dollars in real estate. You can take it to whatever level you want to do. So, if you'd like to get my book at flip2freedom.com, you can. But I have, I'm starting a weekly question. I'm going to ask you a question, and I'd like you to go to the flip to freedom flip2freedom.com, go to this post and answer the question, because I'd like to uh, start getting your feedback on um, some of these different things. But the question is this, what's your confidence level between 1 and 10? 10 being highest, 1 being lowest. What is your confidence level? And why do you think it's at that point? So what is your confidence level between 1 and 10? And why do you think it's at that point? Now, if you want to go get my uh, free book, you can go to flip2freedom.com, flip2freedom.com, enter your email address in there, and I will send you the link to the book. And also, if you want, really want to get a fast start to your first big check, listen to episodes number 20 through 22 through 26, and I know you'll love it. So until next week, I wish you ultimate success in your real estate investing career. Take care, and God bless. 